Good morning, church. We have a group participation exercise. Now, there are some of you that as soon as I said that, you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. You can't make me do it. You know, this one's going to be fun. It involves coloring. I mean, really, how how difficult is it going to be? Take your insert out, the sermon notes, and turn it over. And so you have a blank sheet of paper, a blank canvas, if you will. And turn it landscape. Okay? It's not this, it's this. And now I want you to listen and follow my instructions. You will get more out of this if you participate. Naysayer. I won't single you out, I promise. Unless, of course, I really feel like it. All right, here's what I want you to do. Pay attention. I want you to draw four circles. Okay? Four circles. I want you to draw two crosses. I want you to draw a large square. A large square. I want you to draw two smaller squares. I want you to draw a triangle. I want you to draw a rectangle. I want you to draw two long lines. I want you to now draw eight shorter lines, eight shorter lines, I want you now to draw another eight even shorter lines. I now want you to draw two medium lines. We're almost done. I now need you to draw 12 dots. Just dots. 12 dots. And I now need you to draw four arches curved upwards. Green paper room, let me see. That's okay. Who, who got them all? Turn around, let's see. Okay, good. Here, here we come out. I'll show you mine. And then, okay, let's see. Let's see yours. You're, you're closest. Oh, perfect. Look at this. Oh, this is, oh, look at that. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Look, this is Karen's, okay? This is mine. What, what is mine? Mine is a house with four people. They're all going to church because it's Sunday morning, right? Okay. Karen's. Mine. Mine. Okay. Mine. Mine, Karen's. 
Uh, yours, do yours look more like Karen's or more like mine? More like Karen's. Okay, good. Wasn't that fun? See, that didn't hurt anybody. Okay, good. See, that's, that's okay, we got to give this back to Karen. Now, why is yours so different from mine? I, I gave you the same instructions I followed. Why is yours? Yes. I didn't tell you where to put them. Genius. That's right. I, if I told you to start with the square in the bottom right corner and then to put the triangle to start it on top, would you not have probably figured out it was a house? But because I didn't give you the starting point... Even though I, I gave you the same instructions I was following, we, we what? We ended up with different results. That's, that's what happens. Even though you followed the same directions I gave, um, you got something completely different because I didn't tell you where to start. Now, there's a lot of churches in Bowling Green, and we all sort of would claim to follow the Bible. Same set of directions, same set of instructions. And yet what happens? We end up in completely different places. I shouldn't say completely, but we end up in, in different places a lot of times. Now, this week, uh, I'm, I'm kind of addressing something that I've noticed as we held our first new members class. It said the reason we get to different places out of the same book, the same set of instructions, is because we start in different spots. And so this morning, maybe even more than a message from Scripture, this is a message about Scripture. And it's a message about where we as a church start and for a lot of you who've come from different faith traditions or flavors of Christianity, as I like to title them, um, we, we come at, diff- at this differently. So what I want to do this morning is kind of level the, the playing field so that way we know where we're all at and where we're all starting from. Uh, because you can sense the frustration, I think, uh, in the disconnect that we have in churches. And what is it that makes Bowling Green Christian Church unique? Um, that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. And yet, as I thought about a lot of the questions people ask, like, why do you do this adult baptism? Why do you have communion every week? Why are you self-governing? Why do you have elders? All of those questions for me come back to Scripture. And yet I thought, you know, there's not a church in town that's going to say, no, we don't follow the Bible here. That's what makes us unique as a church. That's just not going to happen. We all claim to follow Scripture. Why is it that we end up someplace different? That's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. Now, for us, uh, there's three commitments I'm going to outline for you. The first is this, is that we do what we see in the New Testament following the early church, especially described in Acts. I I don't have slides for you this morning. That's that's my fault. We had light issues and I didn't pour them over. But uh, commitment one is we do what we see in the New Testament following the early church, especially described... In Acts. See, for us, our starting point is Scripture. Now, this might seem obvious to you, but really there's three starting points majority of churches will start from, and Scripture is only one of them. Uh, some churches will say, well, we just go to the text of Scripture and we, we try to make, you know, figure things out from there. Uh, the, the other one is actually the church. Some churches will start with their own church tradition or their church leadership or somebody inside of the church, and they'll say, this is where we start, and they sort of explain Scripture to us, or, or they own the Scripture, and they, they share with us what it is that we're to know from it. And so for them, they start from the church. 
There's a third group of churches, and this is really seen an insurgent in the last maybe a couple hundred years, that would say we are spirit-led. We're completely just spirit-led church. We do whatever the Spirit seems to, to say to us, and we just follow that. Now, none of those are in and of themselves wrong. They're different. And as a matter of fact, I affirm all of them as good. I'm for the Holy Spirit, coincidentally. I'm for the church. I'm for Scripture. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, Scripture is the only one that remains unchanging. The church changes. And history tells us that the church has not always been perfect. Man, I wish it had been, but it hasn't. The church has let some people down and even hurt some people in the past. So, so Scripture remains constant. What about the Spirit? Well, the New Testament tells us, uh, according to Jesus' teaching, that the Spirit is like the wind. It blows where it wants. And that's what makes Christianity exciting. But it's a very difficult place to sort of put a foundation on something that's moving and yet also subjective. It's difficult sometimes to know what is the Holy Spirit versus what is me? What is it that seems good to the Spirit versus what is it that seems good to, to me as a Christian? And so how do we have something that's sort of constant that helps us discern that? See, for us, it's coming to the text of Scripture and Scripture alone. The rest of the stuff we sort of think is, is kind of... it's. It's created by, by humanity. Now, if you go to any of these churches in, in Bowling Green, and there's a lot of great churches in town, and I'm so thankful to be that we're one of them. Uh, but if you go to a lot of these churches, depending on where they start, they may have sort of a, a belief system that would say, oh, well, you know, you've got to subscribe to this belief, and you've got to have this practice, and you need to do these sorts of things. And here's our statement of belief and statement of faith. Uh, we subscribe to the Westminster Catechism or the larger catechism or the shorter catechism. And now that, you know, we're into eco-friendly, you know, there's the small to mid-sized compact economy uh, catechism. And, you know, you can subscribe to, to one of those as well. Uh, but for us, we don't have that. You know, we don't really have that statement of faith or belief that, that you can sort of put your finger on and say, these are all the things that they believe, and these are the definitive list of what you have to believe in order to be a part of it. Because for us as Christians in, in the Christian church, we think that a lot of that just serves to sort of draw lines around us versus them. You know, we, we set up a list and we say, these are the things you've got to believe in order to be part of us, and if you don't, then you're them. And you go to another church and say, these are things that we believe. And if you don't believe this and you're not part of us, you're part of them. And if you can kind of sense that frustration, then you can get at what really was at the root of the restoration movement, which is what the church comes out of. In the early 1800s, or I'm sorry, late 1800s, there was two men, Barton Stone and Thomas Campbell, and I won't give you the whole history lesson, but they looked around at all of the churches that were, that were divided, particularly in Kentucky, actually. And as they looked at these different churches, they said, what is it that divides these churches? Well, it's these statements of faith, it's these practices they have that they've kind of written out. And so these churches can't unite and serve with each other because they've got all of these artificial uh, delineators that are saying, this is you and this is us. And so if we want to come together, Stone and Campbell said, uh, one was Presbyterian, one was Baptist, and nobody's perfect. You know, they said, well, what you got to do is we're going to have to clear the table of all of that and just get back to the text of the New Testament. And so that's kind of where we start. Now, where do you start in the New Testament? Because the New Testament is a big collection of books. Well, for us, we start in the, in the Gospels, and we move into the book of Acts. If you want to write a little passage down, I would say Acts 1, the first few verses of that story, where Jesus leaves and sends the disciples into Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. It's there that, that Luke sort of outlines that this is the story of the church, and we continue that same story of the church. 
And so for us, we start with that, that book there, that practice. Now, if you're going to go to the Old Testament, what are you going to read first? You're going to read Genesis, Exodus. Uh, you're going to read maybe Joshua, Judges. Get the story of the Old Testament. And then you might move on to the Minor Prophets. But you're not going to start in the Minor Prophets, are you? Because if you start in the Minor Prophets and you start reading in Joel about these psychedelic visions of things that are eating things and things that look like locusts but really have the head of a lion and all this type of terrifying stuff, and then you read Ezekiel and there's this wheel in the sky keeps on turning. And this is before Journey was around. Um, and all of this is happening. And then you come back to Genesis and Exodus. You really get confused. You've got to have it sort of in order, in sequence, in order to understand it. We say the same thing's true about the New Testament. Uh, because we think that what happens in the epistles is they describe and clarify what we see in practice in the book of Acts and in the Gospels. Now, let's, let's do another illustration here this morning. This is a water, I don't know what you call it, a supplement. There's no nutritional value. It's the Crystal Light Pure Fitness, naturally sweetened grape flavor with other natural flavors. Now, this apparently goes into here. Has anybody ever done one of these? I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I've never had one of these. Okay, we've got, we've got one, two. I've already picked on you once. I need to pick on somebody. You want to come up, Emma Claire? This would be fun, wouldn't it? No? No? Come on. Oh, come, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, all right, good. Luke, Luke. I, I get the siblings confused. Come here, Luke. This will be so much fun. And you have your mom and dad take pictures and put it on Facebook. That's what my daughter would say. All right, yeah, good. Okay, here we go. We've got to come up here in the light because the rest of the building's not working. Now, you've made one of these before? No. You've, have you seen them made? Yes. Good. Okay, so you've actually watched water transform into a, a drink. Yes. Okay, all right, that's, that's all we needed to know. Now, let's read the instructions together. And do you think we can figure this out? Okay, good. That's the nutritional value. It's gluten-free. I know you were worried about that. All right, let's see. All right, okay, here. Directions right here. See, it says, what's it say? It says, take a sip from a 16.9 fluid ounce water bottle. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. You think that's a big enough sip? Maybe a little bigger? I mean, I don't know. I've never done this. Okay, that, oh, that's, you, you. Does it with such confidence. And now it says what? It says add one packet. Okay. Think you can handle that? Okay. Oh, no, wait, you're doing something. What are you doing? What are you, you're going to, you're going to, it, hold on, the instructions here, what's it say? Add what? One packet. And then shake well. I, are you trying to tear this? That's not what it says. I'm, I'm going to help you. It just says add the packet here. That's okay. You've never done it before. You've just seen it. Okay, now here. All right. Then it says shake it well. Okay. What's it supposed to do? Is that right? Did we do that right? What were we? What should we have done? We should. Torn it. Okay. All right. Well, here you can take that and finish that down there. But let's let's thank him for this. Okay. Good. All right. I know what you're thinking. Luke has a firm grasp of the obvious. 
I am lacking. But I'm just following the instructions. I'm just following the instructions. How did you know? He knew that because what? He had seen it happen before. But in Scripture, we get this confused all the time. Because we don't start with what we've seen. We start with the more cerebral instructions in the epistles. And so you come to a text like Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, what does it say? It says, you have been saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that no one would boast. Okay, so you've been saved by grace through faith. Now, people will look at that text and see, they'll say, see, that's all you need to be saved. You just need faith. That's it in and of itself. Well, the problem with that is it doesn't say anything about repentance. You know, it doesn't say anything about repentance. Do you have to be sorry for your sin? Well, it doesn't say anything about baptism. And yet in Acts, when people come to Christ, what does it tell us? It says that they're convicted of their sin as in Acts 2. And then Peter says what? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. You see, there's a pattern in the book of Acts. It starts with belief and then it comes to baptism. Look at the Philippian jailer. What happens? The the, the jail cells break open and, and all of a sudden he comes to believe in Christ. And then what? He believes and he is baptized. You go to Paul's journey. He meets Lydia who sells purple cloth. Lydia comes to believe and then what happens? The text says it says she believes and then she is baptized. You come to Cornelius, the first Gentile convert who's convicted of his sin, who comes to believe in God. He believes and then what? He is baptized. Now, some of you really kind of bristled that. You're like, does the Bible really say that? Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Look, Read the book of Acts and you will see that when people are converted and when people come to know Christ, it says they believe and then they are baptized. How did we get that here at this church? Why do we baptize believers, people that have come to believe in Christ? It's because that's what the model of the text shows us. We don't have a church tradition that informs something different. We just have the scripture. We don't start in the epistles. We start with the example Because we start there, we're able to see a functioning of the church that maybe isn't always as obvious to some. Because we're saying, you know, we just want to get back to the text of Scripture. We want to get back to the model of the early church, particularly as we see it described in the book of Acts. That's commitment one. And if you start with that commitment, then you end up with commitment two, which is that we want to be Christians only. That's your first point. We want to be Christians only, but recognize that we're not the only Christians. Now, if you've been with the Christian church for a while, you know that that's kind of a really, really old slogan, going back, way back, way, 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 way back. Because as Stone and Campbell and others got together, they started thinking about this. They said, you know, that's all we want to be. We don't want to be Metho, Baptist, Presbyterian, uh, Lutheran, Zion, uh, you know, uh, this. They said, we just want to be Christians. You know, of all the things we want to be, we just want to be Christians. And so if you start with just the text, the New Testament, you start just with the book of Acts, then what you end up with is something that is free of a lot of these defining sort of things that sort of mark people out of the group. You know, you go go to a lot of churches, and if you want to be a member of that church, you have to be baptized into their church. We don't believe that because we have a much bigger view of baptism. You're not baptized into our church. You're not baptized into us. You're baptized into Christ. 
the text tells us that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so when you come and you're baptized, if you've been baptized into another church, it's fine. Because you've been baptized into Christ. You come to some churches and they say, well, unless you're one of us, you can't come to the table. It's our table. And we say, no, no, no. We just set the table. That's God's table. And if you know Christ, and if you've been baptized into Him, then you can come to the table because it's God's table. Because we say, you know, we're not, we're not anything else but Christians. And if you claim Christ, then you're one of us. And you can be part of the celebration too. We want to be Christians only, but we recognize we're not the only Christians. What we mean by that is you can go into these other churches that have other names, and you can go to these other churches that have other ideas and beliefs, and you know what? You're going to find Christian people in there. You're going to find good Christian people there. But for us, we say that's it. And that matters at the table. That matters in baptism. That members matters in church membership. You know, a lot of times, I mean, I say this from the platform all the time. You know, if you want to be a member of the church, all you have to do is be baptized as a believer because that's, again, the model in Scripture. You know, nowhere do we see people being baptized before they believe. And so that's really why we don't accept infant baptism as, as somebody that's followed that New Testament pattern. Again, tradition will teach that, but for us, that's not what we see in the, in the New Testament. You know, nowhere in Scripture does Peter preach to somebody, not get through and say, hey, listen, let me baptize you, and then all of a sudden you're going to believe. You know, here's water. Let me kick your legs out from underneath you now. Oh, man, now, now you're going to be... That was me baptizing somebody really quickly. He says, now all of a sudden you're going to believe. It doesn't work that way. They believe. And like the Ethiopian eunuch who's, who's with Philip, he says, man, there's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? You see, that's the model. And for us, we don't have a complicated statement of faith. If you come as a baptized believer, then all we ask is that you repeat the only statement of faith we really see in the New Testament. What statement of faith is that? Well, it's when Jesus asked Peter. He says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's it. And for us, some people go, well, that's so basic. You know, what? why don't you have to have them sign their thoughts on the tribulation and the thoughts on this and the thoughts on that and commitment to the, the church, you know, community life ethos and all these things? Because that's just not in the New Testament. But was we do it, you know, we try to be as complicated as we can. Everything we see in the Bible, man, we we try to do that. And Peter just says, man, if you repent or baptize, you're part of of the body of Christ. If you can repeat that statement of faith where Jesus says, and on that I'm going to build my church, then we'll accept you. And I want you to think about how universal our statement of faith is. If you were to take our statement of faith that's required before you join the church, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the living God. And you were to take that statement of faith and go to any church here that's about to let out the same time we do. And you were to ask them in the parking lot, say, hey, listen, I know you are this flavor of Christianity. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the living God? What are they going to say? They're going to say, yeah. Yeah, we do. And for us, that's it. You know, we're not the only Christians, but we're Christians only. And moving on, if we start with the New Testament... We really just claim to be Christians and not anything else. How do we, how do we operate? Well, this, this commitment three kind of speaks to this a little bit. We move as prompted by the Spirit in accordance with Scripture and as discerned by the elders. Now, I think you remember at the beginning, I mentioned there's sort of three touchstones a lot of churches have. You know, there's the Spirit, there's the, 
the scripture and then there's the church. We believe in all of those, and I think all of those play a part. We try to move as we see the Spirit move and as we feel the Spirit calling us to move. Uh, we, we try to make sure all of that is in accordance with Scripture, and we say that the ultimate sort of final local authority for that is our elders. And if those things line up, then we say, then let's do it. If you want a model for this, maybe you could jot this down, Acts 15. Acts 15, you see a beautiful example of the church working out an issue with Scripture, the Spirit, and the church elders all together coming to this beautiful conclusion uh, for unity in the sight of the church. I didn't give you a verse for uh, Commitment 2. Commitment 2 really comes out of 1 Corinthians it's chapter 3 where uh, Paul is yelling at this church. He's saying, well, why is it that some of you say you follow Paul and some of you follow Apollos and all of these? Follow Christ. That would be the text for them. But for us, that's what we do. Uh, we, we move as prompted by the Spirit as we discern that through Scripture and as discerned by the elders. For us, that's, that's sort of how we operate. Now, this morning, we'll have our worship team come up, and we'll have a time of decision. And I really want to hold this open because I think that there's a lot of people that kind of get stuck at this point because maybe they're coming from that different tradition. Maybe it's you. Maybe you are coming from a different tradition, and maybe you've had different practices in your life. Maybe you were baptized as a baby, or maybe you've got your church membership at this church several places away, and and that's just kind of what you do because that's what your family did. And, and you say, well, if I were to make this commitment, would that honor that? Well, I think how beautiful is it that if you were baptized as an infant, that your parents cared enough about you to put you on the right foot to know Christ in your life. Honor that by being faithful to what you feel Christ is calling you to do now. If maybe you've been someplace else, but you've been here with us for a while. Our sister Barbara has been here longer than me in our first service. You know, why would, you, why would you withhold from fellowship of the church? You know, I think people sometimes get stuck because they say, you know, I've been a, a believer for so long. What if I were to make this commitment now? Or what if I were to be baptized now? Would people think that I was this immature believer? That I was new at all of this? The answer is no. How much less mature is it for you to withhold from obedience what you feel God's calling you to do because of what you think somebody else might think. Is your faith as mature as you would hope it is? Church, this morning we'll give you a chance to respond. If it's time for you to respond in faith in Christ, perhaps to be baptized in obedience with Christ's command. You know, Christ commanded that in Matthew. He sends the disciples out. He says, make believers. He says, make disciples and then baptize them. Church, if you need a reason... The reason is Christ has called you to do that. And I encourage you to heed that call this morning. We've had three brothers and sisters do so already. Maybe it's time for you. Would you stand as we sing?